want to say a huge thank you for kind of joining. This is our first um, sort of sports ambassador um, podcast. Nice. Um, so I'm really excited um, to have you on um, as our Alistair, Heather and Jack. So what I thought I might do, Gavin, is maybe do a quick introduction, um, a little bit about you. So I've been doing a little bit of research. So hopefully <laughs> I've got um, everything correct. So I believe you were, um, you grew up in Trun. So I'm I actually in Ayrshire as well. And I think you always wanted to be a sort of a primary teacher and a stand-up comedian. I think you probably found out quite quickly both are actually um, the same the same thing. Pretty much, uh, yeah. Studied in Aberdeen. <laughs> I uh, did. Studied in Aberdeen for four years, um, and during that time, um, you also did a little bit of sort of stand-up comedy. You then, I think, began your probation year, but halfway through, your stand-up comedy took off, and so did you. And I think you travelled America, Australia. I was really fortunate. I was at the last of our colour ham show oh wow um, okay um, so do you know what there is i see i do remember you i know there's a link there yeah so i'd went there and i remember with all my friends were all sort of 35 years old all singing postman pat with the daughter <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. we're pretty excited the fact that it came on we couldn't quite do the gaelic singing but we did give a, a good um a good bash you came back into teaching and you took part in a workshop by um, a company called Tree of Knowledge and you actually loved the workshop that much that you thought I'm actually going to quit my job I'm going to email uh, the guy from Tree of Knowledge and you ended up um, getting a job with them so kind of fast forward now which is the managing director of uh, the company you write workshops about mindset and motivation and you also featured on um, the Dragon's Den as well as leading a national conference which some of our pupils were lucky to attend um, which was Fire Up um, Scotland in 2018. We've done quite a lot, Gavin. So lastly, you're the co-author, I think, of three books, Shine, yep. um, Zest, and um, The Diary of a Brilliant Kid, which we've used quite a lot with one of our primary schools. And in 2020, you released a book called Life Will See You Now. So you've not done a lot, which it sounds <laughs> like. You've obviously been very, um, very yeah. quiet, but hopefully that's a good sort of overview of your career so far. I don't think I've got anything else to add. I think you've said it all. Perfect. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand you over to Alistair and he's going to lead with the first Amazing. question. Thanks, Ashley. Hi. So we know you love hugs, okay? We always talk about setting goals with teachers, but we are. why are hugs so important to you and how have hugs helped you to get to where you are today? Also, will hugs help pupils in McLaren High School? Yeah, definitely. So good to see you and thank you for having me on first and foremost. Um, hugs, of course, stands for huge, unbelievably great goals. I am a firm believer that there is nothing wrong with allowing your thoughts to basically go massive, uh, to allow yourself to think as big as you possibly want, as big as you possibly can. So every time you think you've got your goal sussed, can you can you go one bigger? Can you go one better? But it's not about being unrealistic. It's not about setting something so massive that you become overwhelmed. I've been there in life, and it's not pleasant when you set yourself too big a challenge and you realize you've taken on too much. So the whole idea of hugs is that you break it right down. And once you've broken it down, you break it down again to that very, very first step. In other words, you've got your big goal at the top, but right now, what can you do? So today, right now, what's the first thing you can do that sets you on your way? Because sometimes when you set yourself a great big scary goal or exciting goal, 
um, it can seem a long way off and you think, oh, I'm never going to get there. What's the point? And I think that's the biggest problem with goal setting is that too many people set their sights high, but then forget that it just starts off with little baby steps today, right now. So if you want to run a marathon and you've never even run around the block before, then you it's very unlikely that you're, you're going to go out and run a marathon on your first run. You might not even be able to run to the end of the road. Um, so it's about making sure that you start off with, do you know what, I'm, I'm just going to run around the block first, see what happens. And then two days later, I might run around the block again. And then two days later, I'm going to try and run around twice. So running the London Marathon, that's the goal. Most famous marathon in the world. There's your huge, unbelievable, great goal. If you think you can go one better than that and win the London Marathon, then I dare you. However, it's not it's not something that I was trying to achieve when I ran the London Marathon. But for me, um, setting huge, unbelievably great goals is very, very helpful. But again, just to reiterate, it's so important you break it right down to the things that you can do today, right now, that are going to help you on your journey to get there. And the final part of your question, can it help the pupils of McLaren? 100%. You keep getting told there's no wrong path. I know you'll have heard that phrase a million times. Whether you go into jobs, training, volunteering, apprenticeships, college, uni, traveling the world, whatever it is that you decide to do, you allow yourself to dream and think absolutely massive because right now the world needs a lot more dreamers because it's not the prettiest of worlds that we've ever had. It's a very strange year at the moment and um, the young people of McLaren need to know that even in these weird times, you can go out there and achieve the most amazing things possible. And I've no idea if I answered your question there, but as you'll have noticed, once I start talking, it's quite hard to stop. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Thanks very much. I'm sure everyone at McLaren will definitely take that on board. That was really cool. Thanks, man. I'll pass you on to Heather now. Hi, hey, I'm Heather. Heather. Um, we know that you always encourage people to be the milk. What do you mean by that? <laughs> so when I, you're right. So it's so bizarre that this be the milk thing has become a thing because uh, it it was originally uh, a throwaway line that was a part of a presentation that I was giving to, uh, originally it was to a corporate audience. I was working with a business through in Glasgow and I happened to say something along the lines of, Do you know, life's just like a big bowl of Rice Krispies. You know, you, you, you need to chuck something into it to make it a bit more exciting. Because when they're on their own, they're just a bit plain and dry and, you know, they're, they, they're not the most exciting cereal. And then afterwards, somebody had said to me, oh, I really, I really loved your analogy around Rice Krispies. And I was thinking, I've no idea what you're talking about. It, I, just a throwaway line. But I thought about it for a little while. And then in 2018, uh, at Fire Up Scotland, um, I decided to finish off by talking about Be The Milk. So what do I mean by Be The Milk? The whole point was this idea that if you think about Rice Krispies on their own with nothing on them, they're dry, they're plain, beige, parched, jaggy, dusty. They're not fun. They're not exciting until you add the milk. And then, of course, as we all know, when you add the milk, they snap, they crackle, they pop, they fizz, they bang, they whiz, they float. They lift up, they spill out over the edge if you've got too much milk in or too many Rice Krispies. Um, they move. You can see them moving in the bowl in front of you. But here's the key part. If you don't get stuck in, devour them and top them up, refresh them entirely if you have to, or chuck some sugar on, then they turn to mush. They become soggy. So if Rice Krispies are school and life in general, 
then that makes you and me the milk. We are the bit that brings it alive. However, if you don't get stuck in to life and to school and to everything else you throw yourself into, uh, if you don't devour it, if you don't top it up, if you don't refresh it when you have to, now there's a lot around health and well-being at the moment, you need to look after yourself and sometimes you have to scrap stuff and start again or chuck some sugar on, just bear in mind you're not Willy Wonka, but sometimes you have to sugarcoat stuff. If we don't, then what happens to life? It also becomes a bit soggy. It also turns to mush and it's very difficult to get excited about life in school when it's not particularly appetizing or appealing. So yeah, my advice is be the milk. <laughs> Thank you. That's such a good explanation of it and it will really help everyone to be motivated to be that. Um, cool, thank in, you. Do you think there, when you like look at someone or their people in life, do you think, man, they are the milk, they help to like brighten everything up and make everything better? Do you know, I do. I think, do you know, I actually think you've, I think it's a really important question because I think it's important that as human beings, we actually make an effort to see these people because it's not always the people that you expect. Of course, you've got your mates, you've got your teachers that you prefer. They'll just be ones you see eye to eye with more than others. Um, but actually, I think it's really important in life that we make an effort to see and hear and value and identify the people in life who are actually making an effort, um, the people who truly go out there every day to make a difference. And as I mentioned there, it might not always be the people that you expect. Um, it might not be the people that you would consider a close friend. So I do. I I. I've been fascinated by, since I got into all of this kind of stuff, and this all happened through my, my life as, as a teacher and as a stand-up comedian, because that's all about behaviours, it's all about characters, it's all about stories. And I think since I started getting into the whole personal and professional development side of things, you know, when I made the decision that I was going to seek these people out and not surround myself with negative people and, and people who constantly bring me down and criticise and, and tell me everything that's wrong all the time, when you go out your way to find what I would refer to as my Mary Poppins types, um, the people who just know how to turn up with razor light coming out their face and actually make a difference in the world, um, you start you start to feel different. You start to think different. I'm a firm believer that you are what you think. And if you are surrounded by people who think negatively all the time, it's amazing how contagious that actually is. However, if you go out your way to find those amazing people that you speak about, Heather, and surround yourself with them, you start to feel like that. Therefore, you start to think like that. Therefore, you start to become like that. So, yeah, uh, you are what you think. And always bear in mind that thoughts over time will become things. Perfect. Thank you. That's a brilliant answer. Hello, Gavin. Pleasure to meet you. I'm Jack. Nice to meet you, Jack. I'm ask you about your book you talk in your book life will see you now about anxiety and the fact that everyone needs a bit of anxiety in their life but it can affect people in so many different ways since march many people across scotland have faced a lot of anxiety and uncertainty what advice would you give our pupils who are feeling anxious since returning to school i think the first thing to remember jack is that we all need anxiety in our lives we need it to survive we need it to live the challenge is that many of us, as I talk about in the book, have it at that kind of low level. So you never really notice it. You might just feel a wee bit concerned from time to time, wee bit worried. But you're right. There's an awful lot of people out there have it on a, a much higher level. And and Jack, I don't know if you've read The Whole of Life, We'll See You Now or Not, but if anyone in the room has read it in full, you'll know 
that I am someone who who struggles with anxiety. I have many, many times over the years struggled with anxiety, and it's something that I've only just started to talk about in public since my book came out because um, it was one of those things that I thought I probably shouldn't talk about in public because I am seen as being the person who's always on stage, being super positive, super happy, super upbeat. But what I've learned from writing about it in Life Will See You Now is that we need to talk about this stuff. We need to tell people when we are anxious because when you are suffering from real anxiety, sometimes it feels like your life is out of control. Sometimes you can't sleep, you can't settle, you can't eat, you can't think. It can be physically painful and that might sound strange to people who have never experienced anxiety, but when you are experiencing full-blown anxiety, it's a, it becomes a physical condition. So for anybody listening to this who right now is feeling anxious, whether that's because of, well, 2020 in general, or whether it's just because of maybe something that's going on at home, maybe it's exams, maybe it's relationships, um, the first thing you must do is, is talk to somebody. And again, it's a bit like what I mentioned earlier with one of the other questions. It, you might end up talking to the people that you don't expect. You know, sometimes those closest to you don't understand. They don't know how to respond. What you need to do is, no, if you're experiencing anxiety, is notice the people who are making an effort to be in your life. They're the ones that will sit with you in the middle of the night as you're trying to explain why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And they'll sit in silence and they'll just listen because that's what some of us need sometimes. Um, but to go back to the point I made earlier, Jack, it's okay to be anxious. We live in a time now where it's it's acceptable to talk about your mental health. It's okay to, to tell your teachers and your parents and your friends that you're you're not okay. Now, every year when things like International Mental Health Week comes around and Mental Health Day and all these things, the phrase that appears in all the adverts and, and uh, on all the chat shows and everything is, it's okay to not be okay. Now, to anybody who's had anxiety or is struggling with anxiety, you'll know that when you're anxious, it doesn't feel like it's okay to not be okay. There's nothing more terrifying than telling somebody that you're not feeling all right at the moment. But what I learned from writing Life Will See You Now, because it was a bit of a, Life Will See You Now was a bit of an experiment for me. I was putting stuff out there about me that no one knew. And the response has been so unbelievably positive from all over the world that I've realized that the the results of my own personal experiment, if, if you like, are that it is actually okay to not be okay everyone tells you you have to talk about it so i'm now talking about it and it turns out not only do you start to feel better but actually you can you can start to help um other people feel better as well and just one other thing actually jack if i can keep going for a wee bit longer um one of the um one of the most incredible things that i learned uh about suffering with anxiety is that if you write stuff down and i don't mean type it there is science that actually backs the, the physical act of writing stuff down on a piece of paper. If you just write down all your thoughts, all your feelings, if you're one of these people who's lying in bed at night worrying and stressing about something, grab a bit of paper, grab grab your notepad and, uh, and just write it all down. And I assure anybody who's struggling right now, it will start to help. Uh, it will start to make you feel better. There is, like I say, real science and psychology out there to prove that the more you write things down, get them down on paper. It's like you're getting them out of your head and out of that storage and just freeing up a wee bit um, a wee bit room for your thoughts because for some of us, our brains are very, very busy places and it's not always fun. So yeah, talk to people, 
write it down and embrace it. Just accept that that is how you're feeling in that moment. And um, maybe read up on things like mindfulness and stuff like that as well. Sorry, again, I think it was a really long answer, but hopefully there's some stuff in there that's quite helpful. That's all right. That was very beneficial. Thank you. Nice one. So, Gavin, uh, we know you are almost as old as Miss Montgomery. <laughs> and like Miss Mon Montgomery, probably had a Nokia 3310 where you played Snake, and this was the only use for your phone. That and to check when your tea was. You talk a little in your book about the fact you would switch off social media for kids. We were just wondering why you might think that. Um, I would. I would do that. Um, and when I say kids, I, I specifically mean younger kids. I think there would come a point, obviously, as you, you're well into high school, where I think we can switch these things on a wee bit. Do you know, I... I um, I believe I'm really fortunate to have experienced my teenage years without a mobile phone. I think I'm really experienced to not have had a smartphone glued to the palm of my hands, to have lived my teenage years fully present and in the moment, where my only options were to go outside to, to, to. I mean, I grew up in Troon and Ayrshire, to go down the beach, to go up the woods, to go kick a ball, to go out on my bike, to, to go jump off the rocks into the sea in, in Troon Beach and instead of sitting on my bed scrolling. And one of the things I, I talk about in my books, and you can you imagine how many miles you've now scrolled with your thumbs? Now, I can tell you right now that teenagers in the UK are spending now, well, it used to be six hours, it's now close to eight hours a day with some kind of screen in their hands. Let's imagine it was just six hours a day. That's 91 days a year. 91 days a year staring at a phone. Now, I don't know how that makes you think, but I know that that's not okay. I know that life is short. I know that there are things that we could be doing with our 91 days. So what I want to say, though, is I do the social media thing. Um, I am not against social media. I mean, we all know that there's an element of social media that is terrible. But the beautiful thing about social media is you can choose who you follow. So if you're on Twitter, for example, you can switch off all the politics if it's making you sad. You can switch off all the news if it's bringing you down. The problem is there's not enough people switching off the politics and the news when it's making them feel sad. They keep looking at it. They keep absorbing it. And then we don't need to get into the argument of filtering photos and how it's all just made up and make-believe and the, the, the version that people present of themselves we know is not real. Um, so I think there is real good that you can do with social media. I think there is real good that you can do with your phones but I do believe that there is a problem in that younger kids every year, they're younger again, getting handed iPhones. I mean, why does a six or seven year old need an iPhone? They, they don't, right? They absolutely categorically don't need an iPhone. Um, there's a school here in Edinburgh where I live now. They have a sign on the gate that says, um, please greet your children with a phone, not a smile. Like, why are we even having to tell people this? You see it in the street. You see whole families walking along with their heads down, not talking to each other. You go out for a meal. There are whole families all sitting with their heads down on their phones. Nobody's talking to each other. Saturday night television now. Families sitting down to watch, I don't know, Britain's Got Talent or whatever's on at the moment. And yet you're on Snapchat. They're on Facebook. They're on YouTube. There's a, uh, two or three laptops and tablets on the go. We're all physically in the same room, but we're not present. And I believe that the science, well, I, I don't believe, I know the science tells us that we have a problem coming socially. And yet 
we're not doing, I believe, uh, enough about it. So what I would say to the young people of McLaren, though, is I'm I'm not old and boring enough to to say you should never look at a mobile phone and never go on social media. Um, but I think it's being able to accept that sometimes it's okay to switch your phone off, put it away, go outside, go look at the sky, go and talk to your parents, go and, go and actually hang out with your mates rather than just sitting scrolling. I always joke about how big our thumbs are going to be in a million years. You know, we'll like have to paddle our way through life with thumbs. Five million years, we're just going to be thumbs, giant thumbs that roll around with screens for faces, but we can't actually look at each other because we're always looking down. So, yeah, phones can be really exciting. Social media can be hugely addictive and it can give us all a wee thrill as you get those likes from people that you don't know that secretly don't actually care about you in the first place. However, I think it's okay to turn off lift your head up and be in the moment and really, really enjoy not having your brain switched on 24 hours a day, always. Yeah, I agree. That's really interesting. Thank, thanks very much. Thank you. So um, the three of us, we're 16 and we're starting to make decisions about our life and what we want to do. What advice would you give your 16-year-old self if you could go back and do it again? So much. <laughs> so, so, so much. Um, I think um, there, it would be difficult to put the, there's so many bits of advice I would give myself and it would be difficult to put them into an order of most important to least because I actually think I would have quite a lot of important advice uh, for myself. Um, the, the biggest one for me is is to not worry about everything. Um, again, those of you who read the book, particularly the latest book, will know that I've spent almost my entire life worrying about stuff uh, and a lot of that has been spent worrying because I care it's not it's not for any negative reason a lot we all worry about stuff um, but I think um, I wouldn't be telling myself not to care about stuff I'd be telling myself to worry less about everything and anything particularly the stuff that is out with my control because there is so much in the world that we can't control but when you allow yourself to take it on as your responsibility uh, it causes a lot of sleepless nights so it would be to worry less. It would be to stay physically active and as fit as I possibly can. I don't mean become obsessive, but I think there's an awful lot of us hit a certain age, and I mean like 16, 17, when all of a sudden we forget the importance of staying physically active. And I wish that when I had left high school, where I spent all day, every day, playing rugby, volleyball, basketball. I originally wanted to be a PE teacher. My mum was a PE teacher. Um, I think when I went to uni, I just discovered junk food and beer. Um, and I became very, very lazy. And everyone talks about physical health and mental health. Honestly, they're the same thing. They are so closely connected. Physically, if you're all good, mentally, you feel so much better and vice versa. Um, and when I started running, I lost my dad um, in 2012 to pancreatic cancer, which is a particularly um, vicious form of cancer that there's not really often any coming back from, to be honest. And a lot of it is down to diet and fitness. And I got a bit of a fright in 2012 when, when, when we found out my dad had pancreatic cancer and it led me to take up running and started running marathons and things like that. And I wish that I hadn't waited till I was 32 I wish I'd waited, sorry, I wish I'd just started from 18, 19 years of age, just making sure that I'm staying really, really fit. So worry less, uh, keep fit, um, 
and oh, do you know, I, I write in the book about a particular song, uh, the Wear Sunscreen song, um, which when it came out when I was a teenager, it talked about all these amazing things that you should do in life. And one of them was get to know your parents better. Um, and I would say that having had a, a pretty horrendous time with my own parents and I was, cause my mum had cancer as well. Um, she, fortunately she survived, but it's, it, there was a few years where it was pretty awful. Um, I, I think that's an amazing piece of advice for young people now is to make sure that you are getting to know who your parents really are and really enjoy them while they're here and your brothers and sisters as well. Um, because that's, um, that's really important. It's really important that you do that. So worry less, keep fit and get to know your family. Perfect. Thank you. Those are really good points. Thank Perfect. You. So, Gowan, I'm going to finish with the last. It's actually going to be a quick fire round. So okay. You've got to choose your favourites. So, for example, I might say Dairy Milk or Galaxy. Yeah, okay. Let's go. Okay. So, tea or coffee? Uh, coffee. Morning or night? Morning. Salt and sauce or salt and vinegar? Salt and vinegar. Winter or summer? Summer. Books or films? Oh, man. Do you know, right now I'm feeling films at the moment. I'm going films. Dogs or cats? Cats. Mary Poppins or Mr. Banks? Mary Poppins always. Although I want to make it clear to everybody that Mr. Banks was actually a really good guy. He was just hugely stressed at, at that moment in time in his life. <laughs> and if you've never watched Saving Mr. Banks starring Tom Hanks and Emma Thompson, get it watched because it's one of the best films of all time. <laughs> Texting or talking? Yeah, talking always. Invisibility or super strength? Oh, man. Uh, right, strength. Olympic athlete or president? Olympic athlete. Brilliant. So that is, that is the quick fire round. Thank you for um, taking cool. part in that one. Yeah, thank you very much, Gavin. Thank you. For being part of our fir first podcast as Sports Ambassador. We feel it's been really beneficial and we've loved chatting with you. Yeah, thank you so much, Gavin. We've really appreciated your time because uh, judging by your biography and by Twitter, you're an extremely um, busy person. But I think a lot of the messages, I've been sort of um, writing notes to my colleague, but I think particularly getting to play this to the younger pupils um, is going to be amazing because I think a lot of the points, I, I've read all the books, a lot of the things. She's a um, huge fan. I know, I am, I'm a really big fan. fan. <laughs> um, so no, I have, and I've got all the, all the books in um, so they could um, have a wee look in things. But no, we're really, really grateful for your time and just cool. for being part of our our first podcast so it's been in the dugout with gavin oates so thank you very much uh no i love it no thank you so much for having me i'm, I'm really honored to be invited on and uh if you have all been looking through the books i apologize for all the sweary words <laughs> <laughs>